Hey, pray with me, and uh, we'll get into the Word. God, this is your time, this is your place, and I pray that in your mercy, God, you'll fill my heart, you'll fill our heart with, with just unshakable truth this morning. But God, we, we love you, God, we've, we've heard about you, and I pray again this morning, you'll give us eyes to see you. God, that we would be people that are prepared for, for your coming. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The last verse of the song we sang, Cornerstone, it says, When he shall come in trumpet blast or trumpet sound, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless stand before the throne. And... As I prepared for the sermon this morning, the question that, that kept going through my mind was, when he comes in trumpet sound, as it says he will in the scripture, what will your response be, what will our response be to that? Will it be, this is what I've waited for? Or will it be, oh man, there's so much I have left to do still. Will it be that we have just anticipated his coming and so when he comes, it will be a celebration for us or will he come in such a way that we are maybe terrified at his coming because we realize that, there, uh, that we haven't lived built upon the foundation that is our cornerstone, that is Christ. Um, as I finished my last semester of school, they had us write if there was one thing that you would teach your church, what would that be? And we were finishing up a, a section on the New Testament, and as we got to the very end of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, the last chapter in Revelation, chapter 22, says three times, Jesus says three times, I am coming soon. Twice he says, behold, I am coming soon, and the last time he says, yes, I am coming soon. And, and I just, I, as we ended there, I couldn't help but think, like, that's not only what I feel like we need to talk about as a church, but, but I feel like I don't talk about that enough. And what we talk about a lot, if you've been at the Refuge Church, is we talk a lot about um, the kingdom come, right? So in, in the Lord's Prayer, it says, God, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and for the Refuge Church, as we're so invested in the community, we're invested in... <laughs> Uh, man, the healing of our, the community fabric, whether that's um, kids who feel very outside the community, knowing that they're loved and accepted, right? Have, hopefully having a business that's stable and strong can be a blessing economically to the community. Having a church that speaks life, speaks the words of Jesus into the community. And, and so we're so, so invested in that. And a lot of times I think we can be so invested in these good social works or good works that that are, are helping heal earth that maybe our anticipation of the coming of Christ, uh, we kind of feel like it can be or maybe is delayed. And so my hope this morning as we speak together, as I speak with you guys, is that we will be filled with just a, a longing, a hope for the coming of Jesus. 
Um, that we won't think, oh, God, you can delay because we've got a lot of good work to do here still. But that we just want him to come. We want him to come soon. Um, but what does that look like? Um, <clears throat> in our statement of faith, I'm going to, last week, if you were here for the community class, we went over a statement of faith. And, and I'm going to speak really quickly to two points that I think we, if you come here on Sunday mornings, you're going to hear about every week. And then, and then the last point, which uh, maybe doesn't occur as often. So the, the first point is this, that a restored relationship is possible only by grace through Jesus Christ who became man without ceasing to be God, so that by dying in our place on the cross and rising from the dead, we might be forgiven and reconciled to God. So we believe here at the Refuge Church that that a restored relationship with God is possible. And that is possible because Jesus lived and he died and he rose again. Um, and you're going to, literally, you're going to hear that every week if you come here. <laughs> because, because we believe the longing of the human heart, the, very, the greatest need for you, for humanity, is a restored relationship with God. And I want to remind you every week that that's possible because I think sometimes throughout the context of the week, like we start convincing ourselves it's not possible. <laughs> Right, because, oh, dang it, I screwed up again. Or because, oh, this happened to me again. Or, and you just need to hear over and over again, it's not only possible, but it's provided to you by Jesus Christ. And the second thing we talk about a lot is that the church is the visible reality of Christ in the world. That the, that the church is both, the physical, is both physical and spiritual and should seek the healing of the tangible needs of the world and the spiritual needs of the world. And that literally, this is what it says in our statement of faith, that we as a church, being the light of this new kingdom, are chasing out the darkness of Satan's reign. That's exciting, right? So, so we as a church, literally, because we, we have the hope of Christ in us, are part of God's plan to drive out Satan, right? So, so our hope in Bremerton is that the Refuge Church here can be a place that's constantly making known the name of Jesus, in such a way that Satan gets freaked out and leaves. That'd be awesome. Right? So, so that's our hope, and that's our goal, and that's the dream, right? As we invest in this community. What we don't talk about as much as this, the very last statement of faith is, <clears throat> we believe in the future bodily resurrection of all people. Those who come into relationship with God through Jesus Christ will experience eternity with God in a new heaven and a new earth. However, those who reject that God, that relationship with God, uh, through Jesus Christ, will experience eternal separation from God, along with Satan and his angels. Right. So, as you can tell, it's it's a little easier to camp out, and a restored relationship with God is available through Jesus Christ, and that the church is the people of God present in the community to chase out the work of Satan who's here to destroy people. Right? What's harder to talk about is this thing that remains mysterious and maybe sometimes elusive, which is we believe in the future resurrection of all people. All people. But in that future resurrection of all people, there are two eternal places we will go. Right? There are some who have put their hope in Jesus Christ and their eternal, that, that relationship will eternally continue and grow and thrive and be beautiful. That we will eternally be knowing this infinite 
God, who every day of eternity has something more to tell us and more to show us because he is infinite. Right? And that's exciting. But there is a not exciting part, which are those who have rejected God and lived in defiance against him will continue to live apart from him for eternity. Okay? And so when, when you, we hear the words of Jesus, Jesus who says, I am coming soon. I am coming soon. I am coming soon. How do we take that seriously for ourselves and how do we take that seriously for those around us? Right? We're, we're, how we take that seriously now is, is we, we are very liberal with, with telling everybody right, that a restored relationship is possible with Jesus Christ now. It's made available to you. Come and enjoy that, right? That you're, the wounds you've experienced emotionally, right? That, that Jesus can start healing those things now as you anticipate an eternity with him. But what does that mean as we, as we, are we, are we explicitly clear? Are we clear enough with people that, that our, these moments we spend here are temporary, how do we live in that? Um, Paul offers us, well, actually, let me, before I talk about Paul, is I will say that we, we haven't, uh, through the history of the church and, and, and throughout all biblical history, we just haven't lived well with the promises of God and what he's told us would come. And, and I'll just give you a little list, right? So Adam and Eve had the promise of relationship with God, and they had this time where they were hanging out in the garden, and all of a sudden the serpent comes and is like, hey, did God really tell you the truth? Right? Is God really being honest with you? And, and they weren't faithful to what they had heard. They weren't faithful to what God had promised. Right? We have Abraham, who God promised to, hey, I'm going to bless you, I'm, all these promises for you. And Abraham then turned and distrusted God. We have Israel, who time after time after time, God is like, showering on them promises like, look at the goodness I have available. If you just walk with me, if you just walk faithful. And they didn't, right? We have the Jesus come, incarnate Jesus. And I think this is huge for us who hear the words that Jesus is coming again. And, and, and it says in John, it says that Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And so already we've been told once, I'm coming. And when he came, we didn't recognize him. So what now? How do, we, how do we deal with this now? Well, if you turn with me to Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, we have Paul, and Paul is at this point at the very end of his life. Um, Paul is, has been this incredible evangelist. He's traveled all over the Roman world, bringing the message of Jesus. And in Timothy, we find him writing a young man that he has discipled, he has mentored. And at the end of of this book, in chapter 4, verse 6, I think Paul gives us um, insight into how we can be prepared for the coming of Jesus. So read with me in 2 Timothy 4. Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. 
I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. So the question is, are you running well? And there are, there are three things here that, that Paul talks about. He talks about more, but there's three that we're going to look at. And the first is, how do, we, how do we anticipate the coming of Jesus? How is that something that's so real to us, so tangible to us, that we um, you just carry that anticipation? Because I would say that the whole context of the Christian's life right now, right, lives between this, Jesus came and Jesus is coming again. And oftentimes we look back and we live within this, Jesus came, and there's freedom to that, but but he talks a lot about coming again. Um, It's like, imagine this, if if you met um, a, a couple that was engaged to be married, and the, the fiancé, the, the um, bride-to-be, gets so excited about wedding planning, she's like, he can just take his time. <laughs> right? That'd be weird. <laughs> but that's what it's like for us, right? <laughs> if we get so busy with the planning that when Jesus comes in, literally it talks about him like a bridegroom coming in, Right? They were like, you can just take it. No, it's like, I can't wait. And, and that's the sense you get here of Paul. When Paul's like, I've run the race and I'm looking forward to it. The third point is the longing part, which I'm really excited about. The, the first point is this. The first point is keep the faith. <clears throat> How do you anticipate Jesus coming back well? The way you anticipate Jesus coming back well is that you hold on to what he has spoken, what he has already offered. You hold on to what he has spoken, what he has already offered. In Matthew 24, um, Jesus has this sermon. It's called the Olivet Discourse. And, uh, and he says in it a couple of things, but, but really clearly what he says is he says, Don't be deceived, because many will come and say, I'm the Christ, or here the Christ is. Or he says, he says, don't be deceived by that. And the second thing he says with that, he says, not only don't be deceived, But he says, because some are being deceived, he says, and because people are chasing after the wrong thing, he says, the the love of many, the hearts of many will grow cold. The hearts of many will grow cold. And, And that is the opposite of what Paul is encouraging us to do when he says, keep the faith. He says, the faith that has been true and certain, you guys have loved, what, what you first fell in love with when you fell in love with Jesus, right? Is that God was so interested and invested in the world that he sent his one and only son that this world could be saved, right? And rescued. That God was on a rescue mission and, and we were getting adopted into his family. And that faith we have, he goes, hold on to that. In 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Paul simply writes, he goes, stand firm in your faith. Right, just stand firm in it. And what, what he means by that is literally that, that every day you live in a world that is, um, is going to challenge 
your faith or ask you to believe in something else. And Paul says, just don't, don't let it get to you. Don't let it get to you like, like the deception got to Adam and Eve, like it got to Abraham. Like it, right? He goes, stand firm in the faith. Be rock solid there. Right? Run the race. Fight the fight. Keep the faith. And, and that makes sense in the context of the next two points. The next point is this. Anticipate the reward. Right? So as we're holding on to it, we're not just holding on with white knuckles going, I don't, I don't know why. Right? But we're holding on to it because a promise has been made and a reward is coming. And you see that here in 2 Timothy where it says, Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will award me on that day. So this last week it was my birthday. Thank you. Um, and... <laughs> And so when you have your birthday, what will people say? They'll, they'll ask you, well, what do you want for your birthday? Right? And you never answer honestly, because you're like, well, at this point in my life, I'd really like a house. <laughs> but, uh, but what they're asking you is, what would you consider rewarding to get, right? What, what are you, what in your heart are you cultivating? Right, as the desires of your heart. Because for Paul, him keeping the faith and holding on to that was because, but what he had cultivated his whole life was a desire for unhindered just walking with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus that nothing could touch. Right? And so, so the crown for him was, it says, the crown of righteousness that Lord, the righteous judge, will reward him on that day. And so this is it. In keeping the faith, for you to be someone who anticipates and longs for the coming of Jesus is someone who desires what he brings with him, which is a righteous reward. So, so as you anticipate the coming of Jesus, those who will find his coming fearful is because their reward that they have sought their whole life has been something far inferior to what Jesus offers. Right? Because what, what Jesus offers, which is the best thing that can be offered to you, is a relationship with God. And, and in, the, in the scriptures, it says this. It says that apart from... Uh, it says the pure in heart will see God. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And so it's for those who have, have learned to day after day after day come under the blessing of Jesus even while they're here, keeping the faith that the anticipation of Jesus coming will be a joy because he's bringing just this kingdom of righteousness with him. So if you love righteousness, I will tell you something that you already know. That this world is exhausting. <laughs> if you love righteousness, this world is exhausting. Not because it's not beautiful and full of amazing things. Because it is. Because God made this world crazy gorgeous. But the reason why this world is exhausting is because the cultivated desire of this world is not for righteousness. 
The desire of this world is for, and I could, I could list so many things, but what we have cultivated this world is, I'll give you an example of this. I was reading this book called Rumors this week. It's by a guy named Philip Yancey. And he talked about um, a lot of things and how, how this world is made in such a way that we hear rumors of the coming kingdom all over the place. And it's this very beautiful book. But he was talking about how, how instead of receiving what God's created to be good, we've, we've, um, we've wanted something less. And he used the example, he has a, a chapter called, um, uh, I don't actually remember the title of it, I think it's called Designer Sex. Which is that God has created the world, created people in such a way to have sex and to enjoy it. But he says, but we have demented that in such a way that, that the sex industry makes more money each year than the professional sports industry. Right? It's because what we have sought, what we have desired, what we have cultivated as our reward in this life, oftentimes is just the best, best sexual experience. Right? And you can see that by our advertising in our movies. Right? Like this isn't scandalous to share this at church because, because it's true. If you, if you were to ask somebody in their fantasy, what is your greatest reward? What would that be? It'd probably be, well, a great sex life, right? And, and that is so attractive to us that are we cultivating a desire for when Jesus comes and we see him in all his splendor and all his goodness, will our hearts go, that's what I've wanted, right? I've wanted the one who created me, right? Created me for himself. And and in that creation, he's created a world full of things to enjoy, but we only enjoy them when we receive them from his righteous hand, right? And we live in right relationship with each other and all those things. Guys, this is, this is huge. So first thing, keep the faith. So hold on to the faith. Right? Because you have a lot of things that tempt you. And want you to just, want you to believe those things, rather believe the words of him who created you. And the second thing is this, right? To be someone who anticipates the reward by preparing your heart for it, loving on a day-to-day basis what he has offered you. And, and because when you love the righteous reward of God, your life, even in the here and now, will experience so much more satisfaction. Because this is what, this is the, re- the reward Jesus' is coming brings, is literally all our longings that we have here. Okay, I want you to think of all of them. All these scattered longings we have that sometimes are met and sometimes are unmet. Right? The deep desires of our hearts. When Jesus comes, all these things that are scattered and we don't know what to do with, all of a sudden get brought together. Right? And directed to where they always were meant to be directed. Right? You were meant to be somebody who had purpose and meaning and focus. But so often, right, we feel so scattered and like we don't have purpose, we don't have meaning. And God is wanting to draw all those things together and have you focus on the person of Jesus Christ. And He's meaning to heal your heart in such a way that you, you are cultivating it to, to desire the reward that He is bringing righteousness. Because relationships can be carried out in a righteous way, right? Right? The way you work can be carried out in a righteous way. Right? All these things in your life, as you carry them out in a righteous way, God is meaning to focus, gather your life and focus it in a direction that is healthy and good and anticipates his coming. 
right? So keep the faith. The second thing is anticipate the reward. Because if you love the reward he brings, it will be a day of celebration. And the third thing is this, that you long for his presence. And the end of, of these verses we read, simply it says that he is bringing the word not only to me, but also to all those who long for his appearing. So what does is what is longing look like? My response as I wrote the paper of what I wanted to preach on was that we cultivate longing by contemplation of the one that we love. So we cultivate longing by the contemplation of the one that we love. And so my encouragement for you guys is this, that, that you spend time meditating on the goodness of Jesus Christ. Because oftentimes we get so busy this, with this, I'll use the example of Mary and Martha. And a lot of you guys, even though you've heard the story like 20 times, you're still the Marthas. Um, right? Mary and Martha is these two characters in, in Luke 10 where, where they, Jesus comes to their house, their sisters, and, and Martha is like, I got to do all these things for Jesus, right? And so she's busying herself all day, just busy, busy, busy. And Mary is just sitting there with Jesus, just like, <laughs> present. And, and eventually Martha, who's just like, I got to do all these things for Jesus. Got to do it for him. Right? She sees Mary, and she's just, every time she's like, right, she's being you know, self-righteous probably. She's like, Lord, I am being patient with Mary. Right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, she, she just gets fed up. <laughs> And she can't hold it anymore. And so she comes to Jesus. She's like, Jesus, I know you're on my side. So let's just put Mary in her place. And Jesus says, Mary is in her place. Right? Mary is where she should always be, which is, which is with me. Because you are so busy all the time. You're so busy doing things for me. That you just didn't sit and hear from me. And this is my concern if we are constantly praying, may your kingdom come, but we don't mean, may Christ come, right? And I don't want to do this as a church. You get so busy with just, God, just heal this place that we're not going because we need you to come. We need, we need King Jesus to come and reign over it all. Make your home here. Because right, so, what we do in, in wanting his kingdom to come and wanting the culture of heaven to be present among us is so that when Jesus comes, we'll be ready for him. Does that make sense? You can shake your head if that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Are we live? Yes. Okay, I can see you. <laughs> so, when, when Jesus comes... We are ready for him because we have longed for him, we've considered him, we've contemplated him. So be a people that meditate upon the goodness of Jesus Christ. Take time for that. Don't get so busy doing things for Jesus that when he comes you're like, oh my goodness, I was just going to have a, like a meeting next week and more people are going to hear about you so we're not really ready for you yet. right? No, live your life in such a way that daily you're just anticipating, come Lord Jesus come. So my, my hope, my prayer for us as we leave here today is that when we hear the words, yes, I am coming soon, we say in our hearts in response, 
Come, Lord Jesus. I'm excited about you coming. Because if you cannot, that's a great self-assessment tool, because if you cannot do that, what's keeping you from doing that? What are the things in your life that you've all of a sudden made priority that have shadowed over your desire to have Jesus come? And Because maybe some of those things appear to be very good things. Right? Don't get so busy, don't get so distracted that, that when you hear the thought of Jesus coming, you're not looking forward to it. <clears throat> so, when I was a child growing up, um, we, when my father came home, he was sort of the arm of, of play and of justice. <clears throat> so, uh, if we'd had a good day, we were very excited because we would play. <laughs> but then there were those days where you'd get sent to your room and you were told, wait there until your father comes home. Because <clears throat> uh, we have wonderful games that we played when he would come home and we'd play like, like, uh, like foxes and wolves. And... Uh, you basically draw a line down the middle of the carpet, and then you'd like try to draw the person to your side. A lot of carpet burns, but it was a lot of fun. Um, and so, so this is when when Jesus comes as the righteous judge, as he's called. There's going to be two responses, and we talked about this earlier, but I'm going to end with this. There's going to be two responses. The first is fear, and the second is it says the word in the scriptures and. And some will marvel at his appearing. The first is fear, and the second is marveling at his appearing. Just like us as little kids would wait for my dad to come home, in one, in one hand, we would just be so excited, right? We'd wait for it. In the other, the other hand, we were like, <laughs> terrified at his coming, right? Um, because we knew, and it wasn't, it wasn't that he was abusive, don't worry. Um, <laughs> You know, it was because literally he would walk in the door and you would just start weeping like, I've sinned in all these ways. <laughs> yeah. uh, we had a very active conscience as children. But, but it, as we wait for the arrival of Jesus, literally it says that some will cower, some will say, mountains fall on us. And others will say, this is way better than we even planned on. (laughs) What will your response be when Jesus comes in his glory because he is coming? Do you anticipate him? Do you love his appearing? Do you long for it like Paul does? Because I don't want, as we talk about the restoration that's available right now in Jesus, I don't want us ever to miss that, that we, are, we are people not in an intermission. It's not this like just waiting period. We are, we are people who are meant to with active hearts be longing for the coming of Jesus. Because he is coming and he has his reward with him. And he wants you now to be able to live with anticipation and excitement and joy and to live in a righteousness that when he comes, you're like, this is my culture, right? I've prepared for this. Um, and don't let that be snatched away from you. So how do we do this as a church? 
That's for you as an individual. How do we do this as a church? We do this as a church by doing this, by being people who, when we pray, may your kingdom come, and we seek to bring the culture of heaven to where we are, which is a culture of, of love. Right? They will know you are Christians by your love, by unity, by being of one heart and mind. Right? But that one heart and mind means that we are seeking the adoption of sons and daughters, seeking that people would come into the family of God, but also that, that dad would come home, right? That, that Jesus will come and that all will be made right. Literally in, in, in Revelation 22, before he says he's coming, he says, and there will be no more curse. And that's literally what we're excited about. We're excited about as he comes, the culture of the world being shaped and shifted in such a way, remade in such a way that, that our hearts that have been longing to just experience unhindered and fully his love and his beauty, that will happen. And so we as a church can anticipate that, that now by reminding each other. In Hebrews 10, 25, he, uh, it, says, it says, don't give up meeting together, as, in, as some are in the habit of doing. But it says, but meet together often as you see the day approaching. So it's like we're gathering together often as Jesus approaches, being a people who hold out that when, you know, when someone comes to my office, that we can talk about other things, but then we're talking about like, well, Jesus is coming, right? That when you come to church or after you leave and you have lunch together, you're people that are reminding each other, Jesus is coming. Are you excited about it? (laughs) Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, so... So my prayer for us as a people is that we will, be, we will be a people who long for his coming. And that shapes us. That absolutely shapes us because we keep the faith, because we anticipate the reward, and because we long for him together. Let's be people that do that. Pray with me. Oh God, we... We are amazed so often by the world that you've created. God, that you have you've made this place so fantastic, full of beautiful things. And yet, yet we see also there's hurt and there's brokenness in relationships. But, but you've made a way in Jesus to restore us and to restore us to you. And God, I ask that this church will be a people that just long for you together that we think about you in such a way that we just can't wait until you come to make all things new again. God, I can't think of anything better for this church. We love you and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.